It's great this morning to welcome uh, Pastor Josh Schodel with us from the USA. And it's great to have Steve Weston. So Steve, stand up. It's great to welcome Steve back. It's good to have Stephen and uh, Pastor Josh. Steve's at the church that Pastor Josh is, the youth pastor, evangel, Assemblies of God in Bismarck, USA. And it's great to have Josh with us this morning. He's going to come and speak now. It's great to have Kevin with us as well. And so Kevin, let's give um, Josh a great welcome as he comes and shares this morning. So thank you. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. It is great to be here today. Um, I hope there's not a language barrier because not only am I from the USA, but I'm from uh, the Midwest, and we say uh, things like "you betcha" and "yeah, sure" and Minnesota and uh, and you don't and yeehaw. <laughs> and you don't say any of those here, I don't think. Uh, but it really is a pleasure to be here this morning. Uh, About a year and a half ago, I took over a young adult group at Evangel Church in Bismarck, uh, 18 to 30-year-olds, and uh, came on as pastor, and have been leading that group since uh, November of a few years ago, 2011. And when I came, uh, my roommate Kevin uh, came up to me and said, Josh, there's this guy that I met that plays the drums, and I told him to be on the worship team. And I said, Kevin, you have to stop recruiting people that I don't know for the worship team. And uh, long story short, I met Stephen uh, Weston uh, that day, that week. He met with me in my office, and um, it has been a privilege and a pleasure. And uh, I just want to thank you for sharing him with us, because uh, he is interning with me now as one of the main leaders of our young adult group, and he's preached, and he's uh, leading discipleship and investing uh, in many, many people. And I would venture to say, I think I can speak for him, I know him pretty well. Uh, When he came over, he had no idea that that was the plan that the Lord was going to uh, unveil in his life. And now in a period of about a year, uh, he's in leadership and he's leading people in a way that maybe he never, he never would have thought or imagined. And uh, I want to talk to you today just for a few moments about God's plans for you. And I'm going to use one of my least favorite verses from the Bible. I don't like this verse at all because everyone uses it and everyone uses it out of context. So I just don't like it. I think we're allowed to not like verses from the Bible. Is that okay? Okay, I'm, go- I'm just going to do it. Um, but it's Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, and before I, uh, I get into that, I saw something interesting. My roommate Kevin, I'll talk about him one more time, but uh, he also works for Teen Challenge in uh, Bismarck, Mandan, North Dakota, and you have a speaker here next week who uh, is also part of Teen Challenge, so I just thought that was unique, and I'll encourage you for your pastor to uh, come back next week and hear that, but I just want to thank Pastor Adrian as well for allowing me to be here and to speak this morning. Can we just pray real quick one more time, maybe more for my sake than anything else, but Father, we just welcome you here. God, I thank you for your presence in this place, God, that we can cross oceans, God, that we can cross vast areas of the land. Lord, and it doesn't change it. It doesn't change anything because your spirit is here and you are present in this place. God, and I believe that this church is built on a heritage and a spiritual foundation that is meant to endure. Father, that the plans, God, are not the revival of the past or the great thing of the past, God, but the plan that you have for the future. Lord, so give us insight, God, and let us just see into that, see into your word, God, and even your plans for this very church and this very people this morning. In your name, amen. Well, we have a city uh, a little bit like all of England in America called Seattle. Anyone ever been to Seattle? 
Yeah, beautiful city. It rains all the time. Yeah, which I hear we've had sunshine. I got a little bit of a tan yesterday in London, so I don't know what you guys are talking about with rain. I haven't even seen it. It's raining in North Dakota right now for two weeks straight, and small towns are getting flooded out in the place where I'm from, so we've kind of flipped roles, I think, at least for the last few days. Uh, But in Seattle, there's this pastor whom I just love. Maybe you've heard of him, but his name is Judah Smith, and he wrote the book Jesus Is. Anybody? Nobody. Perfect. I can say whatever I want about him, and no one will know the difference. Uh, But he always says, a quiet church is a dead church, and this is not a dead church, right? Oh, Right. I heard you people during worship. I know you have voices, but uh, I, I, I need you this morning. What do you say here when, some, when the pastor says something that you agree with? You say, amen. Okay, now a little more passion. Okay? So uh, I, a quiet church is a dead church, and this is not a dead church. Amen. amen. All right, here we go. We're ready to preach. All right, I tell you Stephen's story this morning. I just wanted to start with that to, to tell you a little bit about what God is doing in his life because I personally believe and I have seen that God has plans and destiny and blessing over nations. And God has plans and destiny and blessing over people. And so many times in our lives that plan and that destiny unfolding before us, no matter what age we are, no matter how long we've been serving Jesus, that plan can seem foreign to us. Right? I have a picture of Europe in my head. I have a picture of London in my head. But when I set foot on the soil, all of a sudden there's a reality. And I even said of Wimbledon. We traveled to Wimbledon and saw the courts because I'm a tennis fanatic. Uh, And we went in there and I saw center court at Wimbledon. And I said, it's kind of like when you meet someone and you think they're going to look a certain way. You've You've heard their voice, but you've never met them. And then you meet them and you say, I never dreamed that you would look like that. And it it, it can kind of be like that. And the plans of God for our lives can very much be like that. Where we have an idea and we develop a perspective. Or maybe we have no idea what God's plans are for our lives. And all of a sudden they begin to come about. We, We begin to see the goodness of God. The plan of God unfolding in our lives. And we say, wow, I had no idea. Right now I'm pastoring at a church of about 1,500 people. And it's in the, it's in Bismarck, which is a larger larger town compared to here, Uh, but I'm from a small town of about 800 people, 800, that's small, and uh, my class was 19, and when I was growing up, I had heard about Evangel in Bismarck and what God was doing there and how great of a church it was, and then all of a sudden, a year and a half ago, I stepped up on stage and preached my first sermon, and I tell you, I said, I had no idea the plans that God had for my life. I had no idea, and it was so humbling. And for every one of us in this place, for this very church as a whole, you have no idea. You have not seen, you have not heard the plans that God has for you. And I believe as I've been praying for, the, for this service and over this message, that God kept giving me one word, and he said, forward, forward, forward. Not behind, not... We celebrate the victories of the past, and we, we face our future like this, and we celebrate the victories, and look at the mistakes, and, and try to fix all these things from the past, and we have no idea where we're going. And today, if I could just for a moment, encourage you to turn around on a personal level and on a corporate as a church level, and look forward and say, God, what would your plans be? What would your future, what would your hope be for my life, for my family, for my church? What would you want to maybe do through me? And begin to shift your perspective and allow God to come in and begin to shape the place and the plan that he has for you. Can we do that today? Come on, a quiet church is a dead church, and this is not a dead church.
In Jeremiah 29, 11, if you have it, you can look it up in 11, 1 through 3. No, Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13, sorry. The Lord says this, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Now, the context of this verse, obviously, is, is God's people who have been carried from Jerusalem to Babylon. Jeremiah is, is prophesying, and we know that when it says, For I know the plans I have for you, that God is not just talking to one person. He's talking to a people as a whole, and he says, For I know the plans that I have for you. And so often with me and in, in, in my own life, I look at God and I say, God, what's your plan for me? What do you want from me? Where should I go to where should I go to school? Where should I go to uni, as you call it here? Uh, what, what would you want me to do? And I think sometimes God says more, I know the plans that I have for you. And there's many ways to be a part of that. Maybe if you're a young person and you're seeking God's plan and direction, focus less on, on what, would, what would most benefit you or, or, or what, what God would want for you and say, God, on a corporate level, what are you doing around me and, and what will give me the best platform to be a part of that? Because too often I seek God and I say, Lord, should I move? Should I stay? Should I go? Should I and instead, I need to sense what God is doing as a whole and step into the next best thing that fits me into that picture. See, when I read personally, when I read Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13, I'd be a lot more comfortable if it said this. I'll just rewrite scripture for a moment, if I can. I would say, you will call on me, come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Then I will have plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Anybody else view God that way sometimes? Do you notice in this verse that the very first thing that God says is, For I know the plans I have for you, and they are good and to give you a hope and a future. And then he says, And you will seek me and you will find me and you will come and you will listen and you will hear from me. He does not say, If you seek me and find me and come and listen to me, then I will have plans for you. Do you know what I'm saying? So many times it's, Lord, how can I best move myself into the place that you want me? Well, how can my effort or, or my worthiness or my works, how can, they, how can they move me forward, God? How can I, my, I move myself into the place where you want me to be? And instead, God says, I have plans for you. If you are serving me, if you're not serving me, if you're doing your own thing, I have plans for you. But if you will step into them, if you will tune your ear into the heartbeat of heaven, if you'll tune your ear into what I'm doing, and you step into those plans, then you will seek me and find me. Because you'll be seeking me according to my will. You'll be seeking me according to my plans. I did something I had never done before a few weeks ago, and I ran a marathon, a half marathon. You have half marathons here? Okay, I thought so. Uh, and I ran a half marathon, and I, I had trained for many, many months, and it was, it was actually really discouraging, because I had been training from November to about April, and uh, working really hard, and one day, two weeks before the marathon, Stephen said, I'm going to go see if I can run 13 miles, and if I can do it, I'm going to sign up for the marathon too. <laughs> and he ran 11 miles, which took me about four months to get to, and he just pumped it out all in one day. It was it's like, you can't do that again. That's way too discouraging. Uh, but, I, but I trained and I trained and I trained. And uh, I remember running the race and it was in Fargo. 
They have really good accents there. And, uh, and Fargo is just flat, just totally flat. You can't even find a hill to go sledding on in the winter. You have to go to a fake hill because there's no hills in Fargo. So it's a great place to run because you don't have to climb any hills. And I remember running and running and running, and I had my adrenaline going, and I was feeling great about it until I got to about mile nine. And mile nine in a 13-mile run is very difficult because you're extremely tired, you're almost exhausted, and you're thinking in your head, I still have four miles to go. And, and then you do it more and you say, that's like, I ran four and then I ran five more. That's like two thir- or a third of what I've already run. That is a long ways. I have so far to go. And you're doing, I do these math equations in my head of how far I have left to run. And I remember saying to myself in mile, mile nine, I remember saying, Josh, just one foot in front of the other. Just one foot in front of the other. you got to get to mile 11 because then your mind will say, you only got two miles to go. You can do it. You only got two miles to go. You can run two miles. But I remember, I, I, I've been telling this story ever since I ran the marathon, but I remember at mile nine running, and I was running, and I thought, I'm never, ever, ever going to do this again. This is the worst idea that I've ever had in my life. It was painful. It was horrible. And then... I got to mile 11, and the thought changed to, I can do this. Two miles, two miles. And then all of a sudden, I got to mile 13, and in Fargo, you run into this massive dome where one of the football, American football, uh, one of the football teams plays, and the crowd is all in the stands, and they're cheering for you, and you see the finish line. And, and at mile 9, I'm saying, I am never doing this again. And at mile 13, I'm like, I'll see you all next year. So, <laughs> So I'm, I'm going to maybe run a full marathon next year because I'm half crazy. But the key was, the key is that at mile nine, when it was the hardest, when I didn't want to do it, when I lost sight of the vision of what I was doing, I just said, keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. Just one foot in front of the other. One foot in front of the other. Know his plans. Begin to keep moving forward into his plans. And even when it seems that God is not listening, when he seems far away, when it's like, He can't even hear you. Just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Some of you need to hear that today because you've been discouraged in your walk with the Lord. There are things that you don't understand about God. There are things that have happened in your life that don't make sense, that are not fair. And I want to encourage you. I came all the way from America. I've been waiting for a few months to say that. I came all the way from America to tell you to keep moving forward. Because I truly believe in my heart that the people in this church, that this church as a whole, is to keep moving forward. And God has plans and a future that are good. Amen? Amen. I was thinking more about this verse and how God says He has plans. And if we seek and we listen and we come to Him, that He's going to hear us. And, uh, and being in England is very different for me. I've been uh, touring around London. And um, I, I saw the Queen's crown jewels yesterday. You know, ooh. Yeah, it was a little disappointing, to be honest. I, <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't what I expected, but, uh, but we, we've been touring around. Uh, <laughs> but I was just thinking about, I was, as I was praying this, I was thinking, if the Queen of England said, Josh, sail across the ocean. Or if she said, Stephen, sail across the ocean there would be no question in my mind of what my next step would be. And if she said, I'm going to pay for you to go, I'm going to make sure you get there, there would be no question in my mind that we were going across the ocean, right? 
Because I understand the power and the authority, though it's different than it was in the past, of the Queen of England. And I understand that if she says go somewhere, I know that if the, if the ship sinks, she's going to get the submarine. If the submarine breaks down, she's going to bring the helicopter, and she's going to get me across that ocean. Right? Now God says, for I know the plans I have for you. They're good and to prosper you. So come and seek me and come and find me, and I'll hear you. Do you understand how resourced you have been? How God is, has put all his authority and all of his power into your hands, that, that the resources of the kingdom of heaven have been positioned for you to move forward. When Jesus came, when he came preaching and teaching, what did he say? He said, I, I have plans for you, I have plans for you. Come and seek me, come and follow He called people, but ultimately, the, all the way through when he first starts teaching, what does he say? Be healed in Jesus' name. The kingdom of heaven has come near you. The kingdom of heaven, the plans of heaven have come near today. The, plan, the kingdom of heaven, the authority and the power of heaven has come near you today. We need to understand how much we've been resourced. We get so distracted. I know it's the same here, but I get so distracted. Even being away on vacation, when I'm at home, I have to work all the time. I have to constantly be doing things. I have, I have to run to this thing and this thing and this thing. And I forget about the church and I forget about my walk with the Lord and I just do stuff. And I just do stuff. When God is saying, but I know plans that I have for you. And all of heaven, the armies of heaven, the power, the authority of heaven is on your side and at your disposal. I would sail across the ocean if the queen told me to sail across. And in the same way, when the Lord says, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, I will seek and I will find his plan. Real quickly, just pull a few things out for you. First and foremost out of this verse, it is about his plans, not your preparation. The kingdom of heaven is about his plans, not your preparation. In Proverbs 19.21, it says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. Many are the plans in our hearts. Many are the things that, that we'll do on a daily basis. Many are the plans in a man's heart. But it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. See, we miss the plan of God because we do things. We miss the plan of God because we do things. I will go to church. I'll read my Bible. I will try to live right. I will get involved in this. I will, I will be a part. I'll be a teacher. I'll be a worship team member. I'll do, I'll do, I'll do, I'll do, I'll do. And maybe if I seek and find, then God will have plans for me. Do you know what I'm, what I'm saying? And, and we flip this verse around again. And we say, I'm just going to do and do and do. And we forget what the whole thing is about. The whole thing is about the Queen of England telling you to get on a boat and sail across the ocean. The whole thing is about the Father in heaven saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you. Now go. Many are the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Many are the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. And the problem is that many of us are sitting in a state of preparation we're sitting, we, love, we love to seek God, we love to go to church, we love to read our Bibles, we love to try to live right. We try to do all these things and we say, one day, God's plan will unfold. One day. And I know this is true for me as a young person. I do all these things and then I say, pretty soon the plan of God is going to come about in my life. 
but you have to get on a plane and fly across the ocean. You have to get on a ship and go across the ocean. You have to take a step in the direction of the plans of God before they're going to become real in your life and they're going begin to begin to unfold before your life. See, the good news today is that the plans of God have already come. The plans of God have already come in your life. Follow me for a moment. In Jeremiah 1.5, God says, Jeremiah, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you, and I appointed you as a prophet to nations. But I haven't even done anything. But before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you, and I called you, and I set you apart, and I appointed you as, prophet, as a prophet to nations. I love to say this, I believe this with all my heart, that every person in this room, that God set you in your mother's womb, and when he did, he wrote an inscription above your head. And he said, this is my plan for blank. God said on the 2nd of June, 2013, Josh will go to Long Eaton and preach. Because I've called him to communicate my gospel to the ends of the earth. And what is it for you? What is it today? This is what we have to know. What are the many plans that God has for you? What does He put in your heart? What does He put on your mind? What is He stirring up in you that every time you hear about it, you're moved? What is God doing? What is He doing inside of you? What has He called you to? Because the plans of God are not something that we prepare and prepare and prepare and wait for them to come around. They have already been given. They're sitting and waiting for us to grab hold of them. And it's not until we grab a hold of the plan of God that we begin to seek and ask because then we know what to ask for. When I know what God is doing in my life, when I know the plans that He has for me, I know how to pray, I know how to seek Him, I know know what I need to ask Him for. Are you following me? I want to move you out of this place of thinking that we just have have to sit and wait for God to move. Because He's moving. All across the earth, he's moving. In Psalm 33, 11, another one. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. I'm going to need more water. He has set the plan in motion, and now he's asking you to be a part of it. And every one of us today, we have to come off of the small picture, the small picture level about what God wants to do for me and just through me. And we have to begin to understand on a big picture level, on a corporate level, what God is trying to do in each one of us. How do we do that? Real quickly, in closing. Thank you, Stephen. I can still boss him around since we're in England, right? <laughs> Real quick. God has plans for you. Amen? Once we understand those plans, He will bring you into a time of seeking Him and asking Him. You'll know what His heart is for you. You'll know what His heart is for people. And you begin to seek and ask Him, and you begin to function in those plans. But there's one key that each one of us has to have to be able to do this. And so many of us lose sight of it. But in Proverbs 29, 18, it says, Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. Where there is no vision, people perish. Where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. Where there is no vision, people perish. This is talking about this church, and this is talking about your life. If you have lost vision today for why God created you, for why He set you here, for what He wants to do in your life, you'll begin to cast off restraint and do things that you never thought you would do. You'll begin to do things that don't line up with the plan of God for your life. And if as a church, if as a people, a church here and a church in Bismarck, if we lose vision 
for why God has set us here, for why you are sat in the service at 11.40 on a Sunday morning, if you lose vision for that and you just do it to do it because that's what we do, that preparation thing again, if we lose vision, we're still perishing. Do you understand? Without vision, without a revelation from God of what He's doing in my life, I will perish. This is how important it is when God says, for I know the plans I have for you. For you to say, what are those plans? Because without a revelation of that, you are still perishing and you will cast off restraint. We call it vision. You have to have vision. You have to have consistent vision. I'm going to give you a a tiny dose of vision real quick and then I'm going to be done and we're going to go eat great food and play in a park and it's going to be incredible. Really looking forward to the food. Here's God's vision for you. Genesis 3 says that God took you from the dust of the earth. I slept in a hotel in Wimbledon a few nights ago, and it was a little dusty. And I sneezed and sneezed and sneezed for about eight hours and did not sleep the whole night. Why do I tell you that? Because I know what dust feels like when it gets in my nose and when it gets in my eyes and when it gets on my body. I just want to shower, and I want to be rid of it. And that's the stuff that God formed me out of. Isn't that interesting? And not only did he form you out of it, not only did he pull you out of the dust of the earth, but he said, you know what? I'm going to put my stamp of my image on them too. And then I'm going to breathe the breath of life into them. See, you and I, God's vision for you and I was that we would be valued, that we would be highly favored, that we would be known by God and that we would know God. Have you thought about that? He pulled you out of the dust of the earth, out of the dirt, the dirt that your shoes are going to get dirty in at the park later. That's what he formed you out of. But he said, not only is it dust, he said, I'm going to put my image. You're going to be made in my image, in my likeness, and I'm going to breathe the breath of life into you. Why? Because I value you and because I love you and because I have plans for you. And then in Ezekiel 37, later on, the people, after they've been formed by God, they begin to lose vision. They begin to lose sight of who they've been called to do, called to be. The people of God begin to perish, right? We know this. They're carried off into captivity. We can take these Old Testament, Old Testament Israel, Old Testament people, and on a corporate level, what God did in them so many times relates to us on a personal level. And, and, and Ezekiel calls it the valley of dry bones, People without vision perish. The people of God have perished. They are dry bones. They are dead. People that have been formed in the image of God, people that have had the breath of God breathed into them at creation are dead. And what does he say? Ezekiel, can these bones live? Only you know. (laughs) Prophesy to the breath. And let breath enter them again. Give them vision again. And then what does he say? He says, it wasn't good enough. It wasn't good enough when I formed you out of dirt and when I put my breath in you. Now I'm going to put my spirit inside of you. And I'm going to write my word on the tablet of your heart. I'm going to be your God and you're going to be my people. And on the inside, you're going to feel it and you're going to know it. And and that's going to be the vision creator inside of you is this heart that burns with passion for me is going to constantly be creating vision. And the plans that I have are going to be written on the tablet of your very heart. 
God formed you out of dirt. He put His image in you. He filled you with His Spirit. Even when you walked away and you died and, 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 you're, and you weren't serving the Lord, you had missed the mark, you had lost vision, He again prophesied to the breath and said, let breath enter them. And they came alive, a vast army. And God is all about His plan. If you have not figured it out yet, the Bible says all the law and the prophets are hinged on these two things, to love God and to love people. God doesn't have to love Himself. So to me, if I'm made in His image, that means God, His purpose is to love people. And lastly, as if it weren't enough, in Joel 2, He says, I'll pour out My Spirit upon you. I created you out of dirt. I put my image on you. I breath, Ezekiel, dry bones come to life, a vast army. Awesome. Thank you, Lord. Not enough. I'll put my spirit inside of you. I will pour up my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. They will see visions. They will, they will dream dreams. God has a whole lot more vision for us than we do sometimes for ourselves. All the time. You were dirt but God put his image on you. You were dead, but God commanded his breath to enter you, and you were powerless, but God poured out his spirit upon you. God has plans and a hope and a future. Amen? The greatest step forward that we can take, that this church can take in life, is to be a man, to be a woman, to be a church who knows the plans of the Lord, who calls out to God, who prays him and seeks him, Not just that, but hears him and finds him as well. That is how we take a step forward on a personal level. That is how we take a step forward on a corporate level. I just want to encourage you this morning as I close. Even though I don't like the verse a lot myself. That for you individually, in your marriage, in your family, in your church, in your community. That God is not finished. He is not done. He is only getting started. And we know all the way through the scripture that every time it seems like God is done, every time it seems like the people are too far gone, God says, but if you would just return to me, if you would just, Israel, if you would just return to me. And it's the call that we put out across America every week when we speak, when we do our services, we say, America, if you would just return to me. Student, if you would just return. Young adult, Christian who's been a Christian for 75 years. If you will just return to the reason I called you. If you'll just return to the plan that I have for you. You will seek me and find me. And all authority and power in heaven will be at your disposal to do the works of God. To see God glorified in this country and across the world. It is the cry of my heart that every person here, that every young adult in my group, would know the plans of God for them and would access them. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you so much. God, for your word that is powerful, that is sharp and effective. Jesus, we just, just take a moment right now and exalt him. God, we exalt your plans above our own. God, I give you lordship of my life. So many times I try to crawl back on my own throne of my heart. God, and I remove myself today. Father, and ask that your spirit, that that Christ would be the Lord of my life. God, and I pray right now, God, just a special request, Lord, that every person in this room, Lord, that as they seek you, Lord, as they long to know you and to know the plans that you have for them, 
Lord, that they would find you. Lord, in the plans that you have created them for, when you created them in the womb, like Jeremiah, you said, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. That they become so familiar with those plans for the, the very reason that they were created. Father, so your, your church and your people can move forward. Jesus, we just love you this morning, and we give you all the praise and all the honor and all the glory. In your name, amen.